My name is Philip O'Connor, and you are listening to the Rogers Sports Podcast. With an FA Women's Super League title, an Olympic silver medal and a World Cup bronze medal to her name, goalkeeper Hedvig Lindahl is one of the giants of Swedish women's soccer. But she's almost as well known for her voice off the pitch as she is for her achievements between the sticks on it. With her latest charitable project, The One Goal, she is stepping up her off-field activities and she joins me now to talk about that project as well as her recent move to Atletico Madrid. Hedvig, I believe you're in Spain at the moment. How warm is it there? It's very warm. Yesterday, I think we were uh, past 40 degrees, 41 degrees I saw at six o'clock in the evenings, uh, in the evening. So it's uh, very warm. And uh, that's not really something that suits you, right? Well, uh, I'm, uh, I'm with this uh, skin condition called vitiligo and I have it all over my body. So no, it's not a match made in heaven, but I, so far so good actually. And uh, it's, I've used really good sound care products and stuff. So it works. Well, tell you, we'll get back to uh, what's happening in Spain in a little while, but I wanted to ask you about the one goal. So could you just tell me where the idea came from and, uh, and what the purpose of it is? Well, I think uh, it kind of, it, it was an idea that grew into separate places at the same time. Uh, we're two founders. It's me and, and Daniela Porcelli, uh, who is also a well-known photographer of the women's game. We... We met uh, two years ago, uh, roughly two years ago, and uh, it was after a game. And she asked me if I could donate some of my kit because she wanted to auction it uh, and give the money to charity. And this married very well with an idea that I got um, a few years later. And I got it um, around the refugee crisis in 2015. Um, And I felt, why don't I use my platform and my and, and, and also use some of my kit to get some money in uh, to support uh, that situation. And then when she came and asked, I felt, well, this is what I did a few years back. So why don't we kind of join forces? Because I thought this was a good thing. And I wanted more people to join because I, I myself was a bit tired of only my jerseys. Um, so that's where it came from. And it's been an absolutely amazing collection of jerseys that you've been auctioning off. How has the response been? Yes, that is true. It's been a, it's been a great players on board. Uh, we have uh, had big names uh, of the women's game uh, joining. Um, the, the thing is that since we've been um, small in terms of uh, followers and uh, all we've done is uh, on a voluntary basis, so we haven't paid for any marketing directly. I think I privately paid for like one Facebook ad or something, but everything else we've done is like really no cost and trying to be very cheap with everything so considering we're quite uh, small in terms of the marketing side yet uh, it's been it's been doing okay uh, the latest campaign we decided to aim towards um, uh, the fight against corona and uh, that was obviously something that connected us all and that took some um, uh, height in terms of reach so we're we're taking small steps and growing in terms of how far we reach with our campaigns what specifically are you supporting with the money that's generated by these and it's mostly sort of match-worn shirts so it's like shirts that uh, i think yours from the olympics was one of the ones that was auctioned where's the money from these things going to so in the last campaign as i mentioned uh, we wanted to direct it towards the fight against Corona. So 80% of all the funds went directly to WHO. 
Um, but our idea is to our 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 daily work and the auctions that we had up up before this campaign against Corona has been to get the money from Kit and put the money back into uh, women's football if we can, or or at least women's and girls sport uh, but mainly for like football as a method so we started off with some uh, partner uh, projects uh, to start with just and these could change we was our idea but we started out with um, some uh, some partner projects one called Jumbo uh, Bukoba and that is uh, they have like a tagline make children strong in Africa through sport Football that Force is an, another organization, and and I knew them through Sweden because they're uh, founded by a Swede um, who are educating lots of um, people through through football. Um, we have also decided later on we we added uh, Floriana Ismaili had a foundation um, as a as a, a way to honor this uh, Swiss player that unfortunately left us way too early. We have something called Football Beyond Border that is um, everything is is supporting youth sport and 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 development of youth and and also Swiss Academy for Development um, who use uh, sport and play to to sustain sustainability sustainably transform the lives of disadvantaged young people enabling them to flourish. Most uh, all of these that we have decided to work with from the beginning can be found on our website. And you can read way, way more, but we can also change these uh, as we go on. But these are the ones we started with. You're a full-time professional football player. You have children yourself. Uh, where does the drive to do these things come from? And where does the time to do these things come from? Um, uh, the drive is, well, it comes from understanding that I myself, I'm privileged, uh, not as privileged as, as many other other people that are in football um, that have uh, a capacity to earn way more and stuff. But I'm still privileged compared to so many other people in the world. And I think when you're privileged, you need to help other people. Um, you need. I, I, I get very frustrated when 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 you have seen uh, people that have made it that doesn't lift other people and so i think you need to kind of if you have like a metaphor you're you're kind of standing in a staircase and you you're pulling someone else with you up kind of i feel uh, i feel like more people need to do that because there are so many people that are struggling and not getting a chance in life and um, this is the least we could do um also, it's a combination of other drives too. That's that's one thing to help people like socially and in their life generally. But um, the women's game, for so many years, there's not been there's not been products to be found to, when you're a fan. It's been really hard to find uh, jerseys from players if you're a fan. Like the mer- merchandise was never really invested into and, and, uh, until recently. Uh, so two years ago, we felt, well, this is something that could also fill uh, a need for fans. To, they want to wear their favorite player's kit and you can't always find it. So why not just add add this authentic kit then to like the mix and maybe we can show um, big uh, manufacturers that 
the women's game actually has a fan base that wants to buy these products. Uh, so that was also one drive. And also I've always been passionate about the promotion uh, to promote the game. And I felt like that's been what's been lacking. And luckily now we see a change in that too. The big clubs have come in and invested and put their whole marketing teams uh, behind, um, you know, to, to push their, uh, investment in the women's game now and you see then all of a sudden the people find their way to the stadiums and I think it's down to marketing so yes we're small in that yet but uh, we want to help to promote and maybe now we've we've got lots of big names already but in the future maybe we can also help to push players that are also wanting to make it like by donating their kit that's the idea I was talking uh, sorry, to you to, to to finish your your question, how do you get the time for it? To be perfectly honest with you, I I, I trust that Daniela is keeping track on the daily um, daily work. She's been doing a tremendous work in setting it all up with all the forms and everything to uh, you know to to really make it happen. And all the daily organizational stuff is thanks to Daniela and all the volunteers. We have uh, had lots of people who have helped, and uh, we've ne- we've never paid anyone for any creative work anyone has done. So we're really thankful to everyone who has been kind enough to spend their free time. And that was the idea from me and Daniela. This should not be a stress. This should be something that grows with time. Is what we said. I was talking to our uh, former Sweden coach Pia Sundhage last year, just before the World Cup. And I asked Pia, you know, do you think that this World Cup that was in France, is this going to be the breakthrough? And she said, I've seen so many breakthroughs and I've heard of so many breakthroughs that I just don't know. Do you think that it did represent a breakthrough in terms of the amount of people who watched the women's game for the first time? Do you feel there's a difference now? Uh, I can understand what Pia is talking about because uh, so many times you you feel exactly that. Or now everyone watched uh, this game. And for example, back in 2003, when I was part of the Swedish squad for the World Cup and we came second, we reached uh, almost half the Swedish population in that final game. And then we thought, now, now, now it's happening. But I think what was the difference now in the World Cup in France was that it was such a global uh, audience such a high number maybe we reached the critical mass that you need in order to become a big big player for investments and a big platform where people need to be like jump on it i'm not sure but hopefully now everything has you know been turned upside down again with the covid19 entering the scene so we'll see what happens but hopefully at least we could show everyone who was who had doubts that actually there are return of investments that are quite, you know, the, 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 uh, it's, it's quite, quite a good investment. You'll get a lot back uh, to be in the women's game. Hopefully we could show that with that uh, tournament. Uh, and I, I hope this was it, but time will tell. You were at Wolfsburg in Germany last season, which has traditionally been a very, very strong club over recent years. Before that, you were at Chelsea. Um, now you're at Atletico Madrid. Have you seen a sort of a, a serious increase in the investment in what players are paid in, you know, everything, you know, physiotherapists in marketing around the clubs? Or is it still going a little bit too slow for your liking? I've for sure seen an increase in uh, in everything that is uh, invested in around uh, teams. I think it depends on 
for sure what uh, what club you are lucky to get a contract in and play for um and also how the development goes in the league as a whole is is the country really investing in in pushing their league to be one of the best in the world at the moment or not um uh it's interesting to see uh, the entry of new new clubs on the women's side the old men's club clubs but now that decided to finally like put a put a big investment into the women's side i think that changes the landscape a lot um i i spoke to my agent um if, uh, like a year ago or before real madrid had officially like taken over uh, tacon and he said when they when they come into the and enter the scene things will be different they will have a completely different uh, uh, budget to be able to use and then other clubs have to adapt and that will change the scene so i think the rapid speed in where everything is developing now is something that i haven't seen before and it's quite interesting to be in the game still because i think my last five years in the game when i finally stopped i think will prove to like have paid me more than maybe my first 15 (laughs) so uh, yeah, it's a big difference in everything. Um, some clubs have always been good at uh, providing with uh, having physios around and, you know, good staff numbers. But it's really, really hard, I think, to compete uh, if you're a club without these um, muscles, financial muscles now. I'm thinking about uh, my home country, Sweden, some of the clubs that doesn't have these big organizations to fall back on. Uh, it's really, really tough to be one of the really big clubs in in Europe competing for the Champions League, unless you have this big structure to that you can trust that will invest in your team. And mm-hmm. and looking at all the marketing departments of these big clubs, it's uh, amazing. When once you put in the work, you'll see the return so quickly. Is there any sense of bitterness, Hedvig? Because you're probably closer to the end of your career than you are to the beginning of it. And like you say, the last five years will probably be where you make the most money out of it. But, you know, the the sense that maybe you won't still be a player when people are starting to make serious money, like life-changing money that makes them financially independent. Do you feel downhearted or bitter about that at all? Uh, To be perfectly honest, there's been a process in me personally where there has been some bitterness and stuff going on to be to be honest it's been uh, the same process uh, when you think why didn't I become a forward <laughs> I was I going to <laughs> but eventually you realize the positive things about uh, your situation I think you always have to come out like that otherwise you become a bitter old lady who doesn't want to <laughs> doesn't have any friends <laughs> so no but what I feel is um, what we always wanted is for the next generation to have a better situation than what we did and I think you mentioned PE and just looking back at how was it for them? They were not even accepted socially to play. It was that bad. Uh, there were those before her that, you know, there are even those before her that you haven't even heard a story about. Like, how do they feel? So I, I think I'm just playing my part in history. I think I'm actually quite lucky to have been uh, one of the players that are in the transition of when it become more publicly known no i'm not as famous and some as some of the young ones who has not achieved 10 percent of everything i have achieved 
which could be frustrating, but I'm, uh, I'm, I know what I, what I can do and I know what I, what experience that I have and the knowledge I have of the game. And even, even if I wouldn't like come away with, from this game with fame, maybe that's a good thing. You can actually walk down the street and be private. It's not a bad thing actually. And also all these new projects uh, that are starting now need eventually to fill, be filled with the staff and, I come out as a player uh, like in a very good um, ti- time because um, I think before some of the coaches maybe that that was in the game and was it wasn't so professional they might not have a you know the most professional way to handle everything but I think if I come into a coaching role everything will be very professional and my start as a coach would in that case be on a high professional level in terms of like how you treat all the organization and everything which wasn't really the case before so there are there are positives with my situation for sure and uh, i can only be proud that i i was part of helping it to, to become better because that i can honestly say that i did one of the things I find hardest uh, when talking to you is because you've had so many different experiences at World Cups and Olympics that I tend to mix them all up. I have a hard time keeping track of all the things that you've achieved. But you mentioned COVID-19 there. Of course, you would have been on your way to Tokyo, uh, to Tokyo with the Swedish team, most likely, had that not struck. Has that changed the way you see things? Has that sort of, you know, extended your career? Do you still want to be part of that team next year or when the Olympics is played? Um... Uh, I think I'm still in the process of thinking, am I adding value to that team or not? And I think I'll have to talk to to the coach and see if he likes me there or not. You, you shouldn't be there if you're not feeling it 100%. Uh, I felt had we gone this year, we, had, we would have a great chance of reaching the final stage of that tournament uh, not being so many teams in the tournament and we had a great team and now it's another year and you know things happens in the other teams and I only actually want to play if I feel we have a really good chance of reaching far in a tournament and I certainly hope that Sweden will be able to keep and maintain that uh, high level that we had that took us to the bronze in, in France and if it's with me or with another goalkeeper, it's uh, left unsaid uh, to, to this day. But uh, I will play. I've signed for two years for Atletico and that will that demands that I'm playing my best game. So if if the coach wants me and if I feel inspired to go and, and play with the Swedish team, I I I will say that I'm, you know, available for, for the national team if he wants to, but we will see. I, I don't know exactly right now. Um, just finally, on that subject of Atletico Madrid, I think that it came, you know, like a bolt from the blue for many people to see you signing for two years in Spain. Uh, was that something you were expecting? Was it something you were looking forward to? Was there a lot of offers on the table for you? And why did you choose Atletico in particular? Uh, after the World Cup uh, last season, I was without a contract after I left Chelsea in the spring there. Um, and then um, directly after the World, Cup's end, uh, World Cup ended, I had an offer on the table from both Wolfsburg and actually Atletico. And that time I turned down Atletico uh, because, as you mentioned before, Wolfsburg has a track record of being one of the Europe's best for many years. And I, want, I, I felt like I need to experience this. 
if I have this chance. Um, so at that time, it it, it was a no to Atletico. And, and now one year later, when I did not get the chance to continue with Wolfsburg, my agent had a good relationship to Atletico and mentioned that I was looking for a new club. And they actually was in need of goalkeepers too. So it was a good timing this time around. So actually we only went into negotiation with Atletico. No other clubs um, had the chance to get into any talks because it went very quickly with Atletico uh, in the end. So um, it feels uh, like a good thing and being here just a few weeks now and also the process of Moving here and everything, it's been a very positive experience. I played for many clubs and uh, had many experiences of coming as a new player. And uh, that's one thing that this club has uh, really understood the importance of of taking care of um, yeah, the first impression of a, of a club. Because uh, it, it brings up loyalty from players when you feel taken care of and valued in the beginning, for sure. And uh, my very, very last question to you this evening, and thank you for taking the time, is do you expect to be challenging Barcelona at the very top in Spain? Yes, that's the ex- expectation. It's going to be uh, tough, of course, uh, as in any top flight of any league nowadays. Uh, but the the club has very high ambitions and wants to keep developing. And that's one thing that I've been impressed with so far, coming into trainings, uh, seeing the focus on everyone's faces and how everyone really wants to do everything in their power to take themselves and the team and the club to the next level. Um, um, right now we're, we're trailing Barcelona as they won the last, last uh, league than the COVID series. <laughs> mm. um, and everything is to play for. And uh, yeah, Soon enough, there will be a big clash in the Champions League. So we're going for the win, for sure. But it's going to be tough. Hedvig Lindahl, thank you so much for talking to me. Not a problem. Thank you for talking to me. And thank you for listening to this Reuters Sports Podcast. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, Acast, Google, and on all good podcast platforms.